Hi everyone, this is Veronica Christie, sometimes V, and here I have with me is Lex, the lexicon artist. Hello, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited for her today. I usually am really excited whenever I have a guest. Uh, so I met Lex some time ago, back when she was doing a showcase, like an all-female showcase, or mostly female showcase, back at the Octopus Literary uh, Salon in Oakland. And what was funny about my first uh, <laughs> interaction with you, uh, Lex, is that I had to Venmo you because I didn't have cash. Oh, so I didn't oh my know. God. That was such a long time ago. I didn't have a square reader. Yeah, and it was just really awkward because I recognized who was there. It was Lone Wolf was there from um, from the Shogunate, and then to me, you just seemed kind of random. And you're like, "Oh yeah, you can just pay me on Venmo." I'm like, "Sure, whatever." So I had no clue who you were. <laughs> And then 15 minutes, 30 minutes later, I see you kill it later on stage. So that's <laughs> that was my introduction to you, to be honest. I'm like, oh, shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually remember now. Um, I believe that you were actually paying the door fee through Venmo. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I got cash. I can like toss it like $10 into the cash box. That's fine. Um, I thought you were talking about buying my merch uh and, and at that time i didn't have a square reader because my <laughs> my my merch game was so shit at that time it's way better now like i actually have a way to take card and venmo and like cash and all that stuff but um back then it was just i, I honestly i was like you seem like a homie Hey, you come in, you watch yeah. the show. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Usually those crowds, whenever it's like a smaller crowd, and I know the guy who was putting it on, uh, his name was The Rap Nerd. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, so I figured anybody in that crowd were is they're typically good people. <laughs> so if someone's like, yeah, she's going me the money, I'm like, ah, she seems chill, it's whatever. <laughs> I'm glad you trusted me with that. <laughs> so um, I just want to point out that like you've been... In a good way, like very, very good way. You've been really going hard. Oh, with, thank you. <laughs> with the hustle, um, and I really do appreciate that because I feel, as a as an artist or as a musician, that I feel very timid to kind of put myself out there. But uh -huh. you just definitely like what I've noticed since that time in Oakland that you were doing Wordy Show, which was fine, and it just seemed like nice and local. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And then you went from that to opening for Megaran, uh -huh. which. Megaran is pretty like well known within the nerdcore community. Yeah. Uh, so he's like one of the like top guys. Like he's the like pioneer mm -hmm. of nerdcore. So for you to open for him was like such a, a good opportunity. Thank you. And then now I'm hearing that you are doing an MC Chris tour, mm -hmm. and you just came back from Orlando. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but I just want to kind of know a little bit about like your hustle and like how um, what kind of motivates you to. I don't want to say push because push sounds like bossy and I don't want to like refrain from using that terminology because as women, you know, we shouldn't be labeled as such, but you just been, um, you just been killing it with just like making sure that you're really putting yourself out there and it's for the good. Cause I like your music. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. And I, um, let me get on this topic with a question that kind of backtracks to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, 
what were you going to say when you said, I don't want to say push? Push. Okay, so I saw a video some time ago, and it was talking about how women are described versus men are described in the professional world. Uh-huh. And there was, a, there was, on the guy's side, they were saying, I can't remember the title of the video, but they were calling, like, a woman bossy, whereas they take out the S-Y for the man, and they just call him a boss. Okay, or, fair enough. Whereas a woman, where she seems pushy, where the guy seems like he's a like he's a hard worker, mm-hmm. right? He knows what he wants, whereas the woman, she just seems like she's being desperate. Where the video is trying to gain awareness of the different stereotypes of genders. Yes. So, um, so I, I wasn't trying to find push. I'm, like, really bad when I'm trying to find, like... Um, not metaphors, but descriptions for like your worth ethic. I want to try to bring up that subject just to kind of get your your point of it, and um, so that way we can um, just kind of clarify to make sure that as like you know as a w- woman performer, like what things that you have to do and what barriers that you have to cross in order to make it uh, workable for you. Okay, um, the word push mm-hmm. is interesting. I do push myself a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, I really, really push myself to do what I feel like needs to be done for me to take the next step. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking about how to take the next step. Mm-hmm. However, I would not describe myself as pushy. Exactly. And it's yeah. the difference between boss and bossy, right? Mm-hmm. When you put like a Y to the end of like <laughs> something, it just makes it sound like, oh, you know, I'm saying it's a negative term uh, mm-hmm. used to describe something that I don't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, am not necessarily comfortable with often, mm-hmm. not always, but often mm-hmm. from men to women. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny because for some reason the suffix Y is usually associated with making something more feminine, which is why I always lash back at people when they call me Lexi, because that's not my name. It's <laughs> <Lex>. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know where you got Lexi from, but that's not my name. It's mm-hmm. Lex. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and if you call me Lexi one more time, I will write you up immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but back to the topic at hand, pushing myself and pushing myself in kind of social media, mm-hmm. in live performance, in mm-hmm. taking steps for the business mm-hmm. is not something that I think is negative. In fact, right. I think it's something right. that more people should have the courage to do mm-hmm. if they want to, you know, achieve their dreams, get to where they want to be in mm-hmm. their art. I think a lot of people, I see a lot of people wanting to take the next step again, for lack of a better word, or be, you know, more visible. Mm-hmm become a bigger stakeholder or a main staple within the scene that they're working in. Mm-hmm. And I see them really want to do that, mm-hmm. but knowing how to do that effectively is another kind of challenge in itself. Yeah. And, you know, going back to talking about my, my upcoming Mm-hmm. You know, come come up, come up and my come yeah. up and <laughs> in the scene. Yeah, there have been plenty of people who told me that I've been moving very fast. Yeah, uh, within the last two years. And don't get me wrong, I think it's great. Thank you. I really, really do. Like, Thank I you. never thought you were rushing. Um, if anything, like while I've been driving around and especially like thinking about like my own projects, it's like 
everyone always wants to emphasize there's a time and a place or there's timing. But honestly, like, I feel like telling somebody that to take their time or to set... Now, with discretion, it's different in a different situations, right? But at the same time, like, if you have material and it's ready, just do it, you know? Yeah. And so I never wanted to make it seem like that your worth ethic is ever a bad thing. Um, but I'm, like, very admirable of the work that you've so far put through. Thank you very much. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm going to be, like, flattering you this whole no, time. No, no, don't even. Oh, God. Oh, man. There was this one time when I was at South by Southwest this year, and I remember Ran actually came up to me. We were all at a house party. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on a Friday. We were at oh, a house party hosted by an 80 of Dual Core, mm-hmm. uh, David. And uh, Rand came up to me, and he was like, you know, I don't know how to say this without making your head really big, but (laughs) I think you've moved really fast in a really short time, and you're only Mm going to get better. Mm -hmm. And I just looked him right in the eye, and I said, my head's not going to get any bigger. (laughs) It's already really big, so don't worry. Um, Thank you. I, you know, honestly, I don't... I never really planned anything. <laughs> everything is strategic. Every right. time I promote something, right. every time I plan a release, everything mm-hmm. is self-released. For mm-hmm. me, I do everything myself. Right. And, you know, you probably understand how that is, too, mm-hmm. independent artists. Um, but nothing that I ever did, I really planned for me to get to where I am right now in such mm-hmm. a short time. I mm-hmm. didn't expect that it would happen like this. Mm-hmm. I honestly just put in the work to meet people, talk to people, make friends, go to different places, meet more people. Yeah. I met a lot of people initially on the internet, mm-hmm. and then the more mm-hmm. I played shows with them, the more I opened for them, the more I had the opportunity to talk to them in person, mm-hmm. the more they started to see me as someone who was legitimate, someone who you know whose work could be recognized, someone who was a force of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they started recognizing this as I was able to meet them face-to-face. Mm-hmm. So face-to-face contact is, was really important for me uh, mm-hmm. as far as the come-up goes. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel like that was the biggest place where I had to put in a lot of work because yeah. I used to think that I could just get famous on the internet. And this mm-hmm. is not to say that the internet is not important. <laughs> the internet is very important. And initially... We're all, we're all sometimes a bunch of introverts, so sometimes it's the easiest way. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I grew up as like you know, an internet kid loser. I didn't have any real physical friends. That's true. Mm -hmm. It's actually a big part of my persona being this, you know, internet kid who was dependent on YouTube, Mm -hmm. you know, IRC chat rooms, forums, (laughs) and things like that. That's where I got my typing speed from. I was always typing all the time online (laughs) because I needed to talk to my online friends Mm -hmm. and didn't have any real friends. So now I have 110 words per minute (laughs) typing speed. Wow, that's impressive. Thanks. I remember my early days when I was learning how to type. Mm -hmm. It was through Mavis Beacon. Mm. And so basically, I don't even remember like the first lessons. The first lessons was like, put your pinky on A, put your ring finger on S, and then your middle finger on D. And it's like, okay, I'm ready. And then we started just like, you know, just recognizing finger placement and then like going up and down with like the, mainly the, like the middle fingers, which is interesting because it kind of, some of these things kind of remind me of piano just a little bit. Yeah. Even though with piano, obviously finger placement is a little bit different and with doing different skills, like you use specific fingers to hit the black keys. Um, But yeah, I feel like without, (laughs) 
with Mavis Beacon, it was like a nice foundation to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then going and from there to exploring chat rooms. Yeah. <laughs> and I was always on the AOL, like Inuyasha chat rooms. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so going like, oh, okay, um, I can't use my real name because I'm still a child. So I'm going to be Songo. And then just going on the chat rooms, just like shit posting, you know, not really knowing what shit posting was at the time. So yeah. doing that and then like writing stories yeah. and then um, you don't realize how much like, you know, typing was applicable until like you're in college. And then you're like, OK, I can like slam out like a, a five page paper in like two hours. Yeah. So it's really nice when that happens. I remember using maybe speaking myself and uh, they give you like these prescribed finger placements. And I ended up just like maybe throwing like 15 to 20 percent of that out the window. It's like mm-hmm. this is more convenient for me to do with my like finger size and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is just practice. I was using things like have a hotel. I was mm-hmm. on like Pokemon Elite 2000 forum. <laughs> I was on like the American Idol forum. I was involved oh in my a goodness. Whole bunch of random <laughs> fandoms. <laughs> and I was like, I was a main stakeholder in a lot of those. I was like in the Lucid Dream fandom at one point. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with that? I've heard the name, but I okay. don't know exactly what it is. Okay, Lucid Dreaming uh, <laughs> is something that I really got into when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, you said lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you said something else, like if it was like a story. No, oh. I know what lucid dreaming okay, is. Okay, yeah. you know what lucid dreaming yes. is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I tried to train myself to do that. There's this whole community of online people. Oh my and gosh. I just joined. And <laughs> we were all sharing like dream techniques, like, you know, reality checks and things like that. And mm-hmm. I got really addicted to it for a little bit. <laughs> um, I kind of took the same approach from all of these other fandoms mm-hmm. uh, when I joined the Nerdcore community. And mm-hmm. Uh, I, f- I feel like that prepared me for me interacting with people I've never met before online uh, in an effort to show them what I'm made of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because I made a good impression with the online community, mm-hmm. eventually people started to uh, not only want to meet me, but mm-hmm. actually enjoy meeting me not only online, but also in person. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, my first interaction was in person. Mm-hmm. I had no clue who you were. But what I really appreciated was how, like, about that you were like, hey, let's hang out. Let's go to a show together. Where are you doing this next weekend? And I really love that about you. And you. I never thought it was, like, too much. I was just like, oh, whoa, new friends. <laughs> Honestly, and- <laughs> that's really why I do it. <laughs> I don't have enough real life friends and mm-hmm. I'm actually very excited that you oh. decided to come up here all the way to uh, talk to me about myself because oh. I love talking about myself. Well, I also believe in you, <laughs> so you. that's also the reason why I'm here. Yeah. I, don't, I don't shy away from asking people to hang out, whether it's girls or guys, um, in mm-hmm. the romantic context or a friendship context. Yeah. I just try to... I'm always looking for people to hang out with, mm-hmm. and, you know, you seem like cool people, and mm-hmm. so I was like, hey, V, let's go to a show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, Yay. so down to, you know, invite still open if you ever want to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, of course. Like, yeah. I'm sure I'll be hitting you up every, if I'm out here, I'll hit you up. I'll try to keep more track of your shows. If I'm down there, too. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah there was just a couple times, like, just our schedules would clash. Yeah. Like, I know... 
Um, you had something going on at a milk tea place over in downtown that I wasn't able to get to because I was caught up in something. And then um, what really broke my heart for a second, I'm like, oh, man, she's going to think I'm a piece of work, <laughs> was <laughs> I missed your Ruby Ibarra show back oh, in yeah. SF. But I was so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so sick to the point, like, I lost my voice. And, like, I was kind of coming down from it. And I was like, oh, I really want to go and because I already bought tickets. Mm-hmm. But then I said, no, I should really stay home. I sound like shit. I feel like shit. <laughs> and so I called up a friend of mine. And I said, hey, take my tickets and tell me how it went. Just take my goddamn tickets. He goes, are you sure you don't want to go? I'm like, just take my fucking tickets and tell me how it went. <laughs> did he enjoy the show? He did. Oh, good. Very, very good. I'm I think sorry we, that I think we were... all know who we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, like, how was that Ruby Bar show? Like, Ruby Bar, I first heard her on the Leak album. I don't know if you heard of the Leak before. Oh, yeah, I actually have. Yeah. 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 Really good people. Uh, and she was featured with on the same track with Butterscotch. Okay. So when I heard her, I went, who is she? <laughs> because um, what I really appreciate about the Leak, and again, still keeping with feminine tones, the I didn't mean to talk about so much female stuff at the beginning, but here we are. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Female yeah. stuff is just stuff. Yeah. Like, let's stop labeling it female stuff, and let's just oh, label it no. stuff. I like, said the word female, you're right. Females. Uh, Those females, man. Female stuff. I know, I'm thinking of that shitty meme where it's like, females. I'm like, oh, I'm that person right now, guys. <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, honestly, like, women's stuff is... Mm-hmm. is just like I, I get the feeling that Hollywood this is something that I read about Hollywood scripting and things mm-hmm. like that people who train people to write Hollywood scripts mm-hmm. they're always like oh we can't have two women talking like about things other than a man because who gives a shit about what women talk about this is the reason why so oh many gosh. movies don't pass the Bechdel test it's because Hollywood writers are trained to not have women talk to each other about things other than a man because they're like no man wants to watch women talking about women's stuff. Like, what do they talk about? Like, makeup and guys and, like... Jesus. So, that is my issue with <laughs> make, calling things female things. Because things like being outspoken and, like, pushing your art are not, like, exclusively female things. But at the same yeah. time, it's also important to acknowledge some things are, you know, uh, more related to things that women go through than what men go through. And it's, right. it's okay to acknowledge that, but mm-hmm. for things that I think could be more universal, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's no reason to kind of, you know, uh, classify it like in, in that way. Not saying that yeah. you were doing anything <laughs> wrong. No, I just, I think I just got really excited and mm-hmm. you know how my brain, when your brain, like you can get excited, it's like yeah. vomit, like brain vomit. Yeah, so like that. now I'm just like, woman, woman, female, female. I'm like, stop being like, hit your head a few times. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the leak. Yes, yes, okay. the leak. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I heard Ruby Bar on the leak on the same... And so I wanted to know who she was, and I realized that she was local. And so just kind of connecting the dots with the whole six six degrees of separation, then you doing a show with her. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. I'm like, yes, she's doing it. Hell yeah. So I, I was just like kind of like a cheerleader, like behind like the screen. Like, she's fucking doing it. I'm so glad that she's doing it and putting herself out there. Because like for me to like see people who I listen to who are like at the to my vision like are just not associated with each other to Mm -hmm. be associated with each other Mm -hmm. it was great yeah um so you did you open first did you open second like 
It like, was actually a pretty serendipitous situation. So okay. Ruby and I met at the Asian American Music Conference in San Francisco okay. in November of 2017. And we were both booked as featured artists for uh, the musical showcase. Mm-hmm. Now, the majority of the sh- showcase people were actually hip-hop artists, and so mm-hmm. it just happened that you know she was there doing her set, I was there doing my set. Oh, awesome. And uh, we didn't get to talk that night, but I think we made an impression on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had known about who she was. I wasn't very familiar with her work, but obviously at that point she had been doing a lot of work already. Mm-hmm. And she was pushing her new album, Circus uh, 91, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, which wasn't out yet. Yeah. Wait, it might have been out. I'm not entirely sure. But... Um, we met, we connected on Instagram, and then I was like, hey, Ruby, how much would it cost for me to book you on a show? And then she gave me a number, and I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I did was I had this connection with this um, uh, cultural center in San Francisco called Mm -hmm. the Asian Pacific Islander Cultural Center, Mm -hmm. and they were offering open grants for, uh, you know, arts events relating to Asian American uh, arts and performance art mm-hmm. and I applied for the grant I put together a bill a tentative bill um, reached out to two of my friends and also Ruby Ibarra and they accepted the grant and so Yay. I ended up you know receiving some sponsorship to put together an event and I was able to book bottom of the hill mm-hmm. uh, and you know put that whole thing together uh, the whole process kind of you know I, it started in about December Mm-hmm. Yeah, December of 2017, and then, you know, it took five months to kind of promote the whole thing and put it together and make sure I have, you know, um, uh, video promotional content, flyers and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, but everything turned out really, really well. Good. It was, um, it, there were a lot of people there, it was a very, we, we were almost sold out, basically, oh, and... Good. Everyone really, really enjoyed the show. The artists enjoyed the show. The audience enjoyed the show. And every time I watch Ruby Ibarra perform, I'm always like, girl, you deserve (laughs) everything that you have gotten so far because Mm -hmm. you've been working at this for, you know, 15 plus years. She's been, you know, in and out of the scene Mm -hmm. in L.A. and in the Bay uh, Mm -hmm. and also all around the world uh, for, you know, 15 plus years. She's Mm -hmm. been working really, really hard. She put out an album to critical acclaim, Mm -hmm. put out some great music videos, and when I watched her live, I was just like, you deserve everything because you are great. You are very good at what you do, (laughs) and the crowd was just eating it up, like, you know, just just going ham, rapping every single word, and she has some, like, complicated-ass words in her songs, and in, like a variety of different languages so yeah uh, I that's cool <laughs> I just listened to her album from last year and she it very much so centered around like the cultural barriers of attending an Americanized school mm-hmm. um where she had a monologue with uh you you could tell very Americanized teacher and probably Caucasian who's having a hard time pronouncing her name yeah. or just giving nicknames for the for like failing at <coughs> pronouncing a name and then I think she went into now, I don't want to assume uh, her language at the home and her ho- own home is Tagalog because I know there's different like Filipino dialects, but she mm-hmm. went into her own home dialect and mm-hmm. like just killed it. Yeah. I went, whoa, I don't know what she's saying, but this is amazing. And I love it when I hear uh, bilingual like hip hop. Like it's one of my favorite things to listen to. Um, I know 
there's a couple groups over in like the Midwest who do it and then like I've heard bilingual like ska before in this area mm-hmm. so I love it when I hear that because it shows like how diverse like our scene is yeah let's actually talk about your discography a little bit so I listen discography yeah okay. so um Lexus Moore is the first EP that I've heard from you mm-hmm. and then Raging Ego was really great um, so Thank you. I, know, I really loved reading you. I actually really liked your remixes with glasses. Oh, cool. Yeah, glasses. And um, I think you had, oh, in Raging Ego, my, I think my favorite track is Lex. Oh. Like Lex Luthor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, not Lex. Luther. Sorry, Luther. Luther. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, clever. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, I feel like a bad bitch listening to this. <laughs> uh, ah, yes. That is a bad bitch song. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Lex's more was Great. So how long did it take you to put that together? Huh. I don't even remember how long Lexus Moore took. Um, it was less than it was less than a year because I started doing any of this Lex shit in July of 2016. Okay. And then I put out Lexus Moore in March 2017. So okay. the whole thing took like half a year. Okay. Uh, or like a little more than half a year to put that together. And it was my first effort. I think it's good. Um mm-hmm. Recording-wise, it's not as polished. You know, I mm-hmm. put a lot of effort into writing the songs, but I didn't know how to record very well at the time. Right. Um, but I think it's... It, I really wanted to, to just have something out there for people to listen to, because at that point, mm-hmm. I was doing a whole bunch of live performances, but mm-hmm. no one could find any of my stuff online. Yeah. And I really wanted to make sure that they were able to access that online, uh, you know, via Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, whatever's. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people complaining to me that I they couldn't find my stuff online. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to make a recording. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to have that. So mm-hmm. that's why it kind of maybe sounds a little rushed, uh, you know, putting it together. But, you know, there's it, it was a first effort. And it's, your, it's your pilot project, yeah, right? Yeah, it was my pilot project. So you're, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> you're fine. Everyone's yeah. pilot project is not going to be always polished. If anything, I yeah. always feel like if you have a really polished uh, pilot project... Um, like, then you're making it skeptical of where you can grow from there, right? right? Yeah. Um, not saying, like, there is no growth, but mm-hmm. I just feel like if it's your polished pro- or if it's your pilot project, that's fine. Like, right. I was impressed more so with the lyrics. Thank you. And the, the tones that you're going for. Uh-huh. Uh, undateable, especially with that one, was, like, I'm... I'm encompassing all of that just Thank because you. I'm very much so, like, I don't really share this too much on my podcast, but... I don't date. <laughs> I don't like dating. dating. Dating's hard. I honestly, yeah. I'm not very good at it either. <laughs> and it's not that I'm like even good at it. Like I, God, I've done like the whole like, okay, like I'll hang out. I'll like have a good time. But then I don't like the awkward like afterthought of dating. You know what I mean? Because it makes you like weird and anxious. And then you all caught up in your head like, fuck, did I do something wrong? Fuck, did they do something wrong? Like, I don't have time for this, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and that's what I don't like about dating. And then um, also I feel like I've been rejected a lot. Mm-hmm. Like one of the times that I was broken up with because two, two breakups led to... I'm just not really attracted to you. And I just get really perplexed because I'm like, wait a minute, weren't you the one who wanted to go after me and were persistent? But, you know, like, yeah. yeah, And it makes me really upset because, like, okay, you're nicking at my self-esteem a little bit. But at the same time, like, why did you waste my time? (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, so when I heard your song, I was like, okay, I'm glad I'm not the only person who's thinking like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that song is still very popular. I still do it at almost every one of my sets. Because and please keep doing it. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, thank you. It goes over very well with the nerdy women. Um, yeah. And women who feel like they have been undateable or used to be undateable or, or like outcasts in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes over really well with them. And I really want to project that message to people mm-hmm. because, as you said, you identified a lot with it. And a lot of women identify a lot with it. Mm-hmm. And they don't get to hear this perspective from uh, really many female artists at all. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of mainstream stuff is really, you know, all about how... How, how desirable these women are or, you know, how how much game Ariana Grande has. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, we don't get to hear about the nerdy, dorky, like, unpopular women that much. And I yeah. certainly was one. We're often not sexualized. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. we're often not sexualized. Or it's kind of like the, the whole, like fat woman actress effect like they're not sexual they're just there to be funny right right Right. or they're there to be like made fun of and then later on whatever story they're in or whatever situation they're in they then they have a glow up and then they show what they actually are yeah which it shouldn't that shouldn't have to happen right yeah no i don't think so no like princess diaries Uh dorky like didn't know how to do her hair and then later on she had a glow up saying like i am beautiful where were you you know yeah yeah which and then what was another Greece has done that Uh yeah and you know just as an example like it shouldn't have to be like that yeah honestly I think that um the reason why I started one of the reasons why I started doing Lex uh and Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I kind of um not really sexualize myself but I'm, I'm very open about my kind of weird and deviant like sexual side (laughs) yeah is that no one ever saw me as a sexual object. You know, it, that that's in, like, the first couple of lines of Undateable. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want it that way. I like plenty of guys, but I was not a romantic entity in their eyes. I was yeah. the weird nerd, the one with glasses, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, this feeling of not feeling like you're, you are desirable mm-hmm. is not only detrimental to men. It's very detrimental to women, too, but mm-hmm. we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my opinion to all of that kind of glow-up thing that mm-hmm. you were talking about... Uh, is that women should and deserve to find um, partners who accept them for who they are and Mm -hmm. don't have to have them go through a makeover Mm -hmm. and have to have them become conventionally attractive. They should, and honestly I believe that if you try hard enough, you will find someone Mm -hmm. who will be very attracted to you just as just the way you are as long yeah. as you're confident in yourself and you love what you do and you're passionate about something right you're passionate about this other person or you're passionate about your life mm-hmm. um you should be able to find someone who doesn't require you to change yeah right yeah yeah no, i agree yeah um i don't you know i think that i think that you are you are great Thank you. And this is to all the women who might be listening to this, uh, women identifying folk. Um, Undateable is also about being happy by yourself. Yeah. 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 Love yourself. Self-care. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah no, I, I'm really glad that we're getting into an era that women are able to accept who they are. Yeah. not have to be dependent on the romance yeah. or have to think like that needs to be a goal. Like yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Lizzo yeah. lately uh-huh. um, and Lizzo is just like straight from like even Lizzo bangers, which is one of her early on albums is just like, she's straight up like 
you don't have to go for a man. Yeah. Like, you don't have to settle Mm -hmm. for a man. You don't have to live for being with a man. You live for what you want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And that's why I was going to say that when you're talking about not really dating, I wasn't going to go and say, like, oh, you're eventually going to find the one. Because who gives a shit if you don't, right? Yeah. I I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I think you're very comfortable with yourself. And Mm -hmm. if you want to find someone, I know that you can. But Mm -hmm. if you don't... Then just live your life. It's dude. not on the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. It, it doesn't need to be on the agenda. You know something I appreciate about UV? Hmm. I've been doing a lot of podcast interviews, and almost all of them actually have been with white dudes. Oh, and sorry. So, no, 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 no. All these white dudes are my friends. Okay, good. And they're all great people. Um, they're all super chill, and they ask me some really cool questions. Mm-hmm. But I haven't yet had a podcast where my host was a woman, specifically mm-hmm. a woman of color. So. Mm-hmm. This conversation has been uh, has gone to places where um, I wouldn't necessarily have gone to in oh, you know so in glad. other interviews. <laughs> so you're offering me an experience where I can share you know some of the influences and the thoughts behind certain songs that I may not necessarily have felt you mm-hmm. know uh, that it was appropriate to share in other contexts. So yeah, um, this is cool. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. No, I'm glad to give you that freedom. <laughs> it's better than feeling restricted. Like I, my name is Lex. I do rap. Sometimes about nerdy things. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying your other interviews are like that. I actually, I'm curious to hear those other interviews. So if you want to link me later. Sure. Yeah, I'll I would love to hear link them. you. And for whoever's listening, I have a couple of interviews online on my website, thelexiconartist.com, uh, including interviews with Radio Free Nerdcore with Jeff Sorensen, a.k.a. DJ Switch, mm-hmm. um, with Matt Storm, Stormageddon, with Schaefer the Dark Lord and Nelson Lugo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the epic podcast. And then there are a couple of other ones. I believe there's one, Beats from the East, which mm-hmm. was an interview with Mike Vo, who mm-hmm. basically collects all Asian rappers <laughs> and, like, you know, uh, hip-hop-related acts and just mm-hmm. interviews them one by one. And he was great. And he was, like, a person of color. So we got to, like, oh. we, we got to geek out about, you know, like, Asian rappers. And he was like, oh, have you heard of Adam Warrock? I'm like, of course I have. <laughs> you just yeah. mentioned someone I was actually going to mention just now. Yeah. You just did a music video. Yeah. Which was cool. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh-huh. Your appreciation you. of like <laughs> different influences, and it was said DJ Star. Oh my gosh, I'm like blanking. I just had his name in my head. You guys were wearing suits. He was wearing suits. Oh, Shaper the Dark Lord. Yes. 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 Uh-huh. You just did a music video with him. How was yes. that? Oh, that was super fun. Rooftop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. adrenaline, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so scared to be on that rooftop. I honestly <laughs> have a little bit of uh, fear of heights, mm-hmm. and so there were multiple moments where I was, like, kind of looking down on the rail, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, But overall, it was really fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I, a couple of weeks ago, actually... Uh, a month ago at this point, um, I went to New York City mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, half vacation, half, like, work stuff. I was mm-hmm. doing a show there. I was, you know, doing a couple of podcasts. Um, and, you know, uh, Shape of the Dark Lord is based in New York. Okay. And so we were like, hey, we wrote this song together. <laughs> Let's film a music video. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, and it, it just kind of came together. We uh, I, I basically coordinated the rooftop. Mm-hmm. I had a secret connection <laughs> who, who offered me his work rooftop that had Dope. a really nice view of the Brooklyn Bridge, Manhattan Bridge, and the Williamsburg Bridge. So all three bridges, I think, are visible in that video, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I went up there and saw it, and I was like, this is perfect. I basically just wanted to, you know, get this 
classic New York City skyline kind of video where you can see Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And that vantage point from, like, that building in Brooklyn was Mm -hmm. the perfect uh, uh, kind of backdrop for it. Yeah. And, you know, it was really, like, a passion project. (laughs) It's basically uh, Vince Vandal is putting together an album. Vince Vandal is, like, one of the producers in Nerdcore and he worked with a whole bunch of different artists, including Michael Kill, who's one of my friends mm-hmm. uh, in Nerdcore. He's a great rapper. Wreck the System, which is like a team from Baltimore. They're really oh. high energy. We just played the show together in Orlando, which we can talk about next. <laughs> um, and Please, I would love to hear more about Orlando. Oh, yeah, for sure. That, that's fresh off the pages. So. <laughs> um, and, and, and a couple more people, like Professor Shy Guy and Dr. Awkward and, like... There's know. a guy named Professor Shy Guy? Yeah. Sorry, I, <laughs> I'm i just... With my nerdcore perspective, I know there's Ran, and yeah. there's Richie yeah. Branson, yeah. and, you know, there's all the local guys who do their shit up here, but, like, DJ Shy Guy. Shy Guy's, like, my favorite character in the Mario Brothers. Okay. Series, so, <laughs> knowing that there's someone who's named that, I'm like, I'm gonna find you. <laughs> yeah, his name is Professor Shy Guy. Oh, Professor, sorry, yeah, not DJ yeah, Shy yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he uh, also worked with Vince Vanlon. There's, like, a couple of other features on there as well. It's basically, like, a compilation, mm-hmm. and the track with me and Schaefer is also on there. And awesome. it's, like, the lead single off of the album. And I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna make a music video. Because <laughs> I really, I like making music videos. It's really fun. I used to edit videos for fun. Mm-hmm. I had, like, a meme channel on YouTube. And I would just make, <laughs> oh like, stupid goodness, videos. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And one of them actually has, like, four million views at this point because it mm-hmm. went viral. <laughs> Yay! And, so, <laughs> and I wanted to get back into this video editing thing. And so I brought my camera. Mm-hmm. And then we, we went on the, we went on the, uh, the fucking rooftop, mm-hmm. shot the video, and then I came back here, and I spent so much time editing it, <laughs> and now now it's up, and people really like it, so yeah. I'm very happy about that. No, it's well produced, and Thank you. I can tell from one of your uh, earlier videos that you had LEX, mm-hmm. where you had your like really long hair, mm. and there was a lot of, I was watching it, and I'm like, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like seeing from that video to what you have with him, mm-hmm. like, Looks good. Thank you. Looks good. Thanks. And, and again, pilot. Pilot. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying like your Lex video was your pilot, but then, now. It actually now. sort of was. <laughs> that was my first ever music video. I also edited that one. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, my editing skills have gotten a lot better too. Yeah. 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 Just like experience and things like that. And knowing... When I did LEX, I didn't have a sharp vision of what I wanted Lex to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted the project to be. Mm-hmm. But... This video, I knew what I wanted it to look like. I knew mm-hmm. what I, what message I wanted to send. Um, the branding was very consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, we even color coordinated with our clothing. You know, yeah, and yeah. so there uh, was just a lot more planning going on for mm-hmm. that thing. Mm-hmm. And even though we did it in like a limited time span because I wasn't in New York for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it came out obviously a lot better than you know the pilot project. But yeah, it's also just like. Um, just, it, it's a matter of branding. It's, I figured out what I want to look like, and mm-hmm. it's not only for this video, but for the project itself. Yeah. So, now that I have a clearer understanding of what it is, mm-hmm. I can make more consistent, more professional, mm-hmm. and doper looking music videos. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's looking really good. I'm glad I, that you can, you can see that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's what I've always been about. I, I want to also kind of bring up the message that progress is a thing with artists absolutely like it's not an overnight success yeah 
Never is. Um, so never was for me either. Yeah. Yeah. Early stuff looks pretty amateur. Early <laughs> stuff. My mom thinks my mom's fucking proud of me. For that. <laughs> my mom texted me on Saturday and was like, "Why we do is the best video I've seen from you so far. It's so professional." And I was like, "Thanks, mom. I spent so much time on it." <laughs> so yeah. No, I've had to. I've had to kind of coerce that with my mom a little bit. Like, <laughs> she. She. Would always growing up, you're like you're the white child who can't sing, <laughs> and that was How just dare her. I know. So I, growing up in like a black household, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just like if you can sing or you can't, right? Mm-hmm. And that was like the attitude for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so because I was the only mixed child of my three siblings, like my mom's like you can't sing, you're white, mm-hmm. right? Even though when I would try, I was doing fun of, yeah. Um, but my sister and my brother have it, like no problem. Yeah. So. Um, my mom couldn't believe that I was singing. I had an album release show with a big band that I'm with, with 7th Street Big Band. Yeah. And my mom saw me singing backgrounds and she mm. heard that I was doing a harmony. She's like, oh, my baby's doing backgrounds now and she sounds good. I went, mom, practice. <laughs> oh, that warms my heart. That's so beautiful. That's yeah. such a great story. Yeah. This message to your parents kind of thing. I wrote a song with Shabzilla called Expectations. Mm-hmm. It's all about our like Asian moms uh, mm-hmm. and their expectations of us. Mm-hmm. And it was really an opportunity for me to talk about what my Asian mom expects of me and how she's reacted to my career so far. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that she doesn't totally understand what I do, um, mm-hmm. which is okay, um, but I know that she's supportive of me. Uh, the next step I want her to take mm-hmm. is really to believe that I know what I'm doing and to stop yeah. questioning my decisions because yeah. I work in the industry, I know it, and I want her to trust the decisions that I'm making mm-hmm. in marketing, in, you know, taking tours, taking next steps and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be, I, I know you feel the same way, but like, I feel like it's important for parents to have confidence in their kids yeah. to know that what they're doing in their career is the best thing for them. I think there's a fear with parents that the amount of work that they put in their children, they just don't want them to fail, ah. right? With all the foundation stuff that they put in their kids. So right. I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But of course, different households harness that in different forms. Yeah. Like I heard, I think it was in your song, Mistakes, that you talked about... Um, how you were just that you didn't want to be a disappointment by writing a sad song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you also talked about a lot about how your upbringing with music was you were learning violin. Yeah. Um, did you learn piano at all? I did learn piano. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like, and this is just cause I'm, it's common with me of the students that I teach privately mm-hmm. every once in a while that I teach a lot of Asian students Yeah. and that those Asian students are pushed to do violin and push to do piano and they're pushed to do the mainstream instruments because yeah. it cosmetically looks good yeah. as a family. Like you guys look more whole, but at yeah. the same time you don't understand, like most parents don't understand like the internal struggle of like, yeah. I want to do something else. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to elaborate a little bit more about like your origin? I can absolutely do that. Okay. Um, so I know that my parents wanted me to pick up an instrument because <laughs> they wanted me to have a hobby. Uh, they they knew that um, being a musician is a you know it would give me something to do mm-hmm. would give me like kind of and and an, an interest yeah um, that that was that would you know kind of take me uh, you know give me something else to do other than my schoolwork mm-hmm. and so I know that that was the reason they wanted me to pick up an instrument not because they wanted me to look good for them mm-hmm. or to, okay. you know, for, for any like status sort of reasons or, mm-hmm. you know, to become, you know, to go to Juilliard and things like that. Um, I don't, 
think that they ever wanted that. I don't think that they ever wanted me to become a professional musician. I'm mm-hmm. doing a quote unquote right now. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, because if they wanted me to go to Juilliard, they would have forced me to stay in violin school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was I started learning piano at four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, just because my parents told me to and mm-hmm. because you know they wanted to instill some music fundamentals in me. Mm-hmm. My family's like fairly musical. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, my grandma on my mom's side used to... Um, you know, she would sing in church a lot, mm-hmm. and then her brothers and sisters, she had, like, 12 brothers and sisters... Oh, my goodness. Were, ...would basically get together for karaoke all the time, and they were all great singers, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of got passed down to us. It didn't really reach my mom. Uh, my mom likes singing karaoke, too, but she never really kind of pursued music. She mm-hmm. became a doctor. Okay. Um, but I have a cousin who's a pop star in Taiwan. Oh, um, whoa! <laughs> I have a cousin who... Wa- is, you know, went to Musicians Institute in L.A., mm-hmm. um, and so I have a couple of people who, you know, really, in my family, who were influenced by this music stuff, but I don't think my parents really wanted me to pursue the professional path, but mm-hmm. they just wanted to give me a hobby. They okay. didn't expect that I would do this. Well, okay. it's, a, it's a good hobby to have. Like, yeah. it works with a lot of, you know, improvising, being mm-hmm. more inclined, like mentally inclined. Right. Um, having a artistic background or foundation yeah. foundation is the word of the day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a hard artistic uh background is always good for you know when you're doing something that's a little bit more like non-music based because sure. you can think creatively right yeah. it yeah. really uh it really like helps develop that part of your brain yeah um i noticed that with a lot of my students like despite that music may not be their passion yeah a lot of the students do really well in school yeah um so I, I guess I should say, like, I'm not trying to apologize for what I said about the cosmetic side of it, but I do notice, like, a lot of parents like to put their kids in music because of some of the cosmetic aspect, uh-huh. but ultimately, there is benefits. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I'm not saying that a lot of people, I, I think people who put their kids in music for the cosmetics are a minority. Um, okay. I think a lot of people just do it because it's a standard thing to do in Asian families. Okay. Um, for my parents, I think it was part of that, too. Mm-hmm. And so I learned piano, not very seriously, but when I hit eight years old, they put me in violin classes. Um, mm-hmm. And that was where I got a lot of my musical foundations. Mm-hmm. I think I, like, you know, developed my perfect pitch during that time, although mm-hmm. uh, my mom did tell me that my piano teacher from four years old told me that, well, told her that I had a really good sense of pitch even when I was four years old. Mm-hmm. Um but when I started playing violin, it actually just honed my skills a lot more. I learned mm-hmm. all, like, the music theory from that. I became yeah. very proficient in violin. Um, but I didn't love doing it. It mm-hmm. wasn't a passion of mine. Right. Uh, it felt like a chore. I didn't practice very much. <laughs> um, to my parents' dismay, because they were paying a lot of money for me to be in these lessons. Mm-hmm. But I didn't practice enough or barely at all, because I was very embarrassed of my parents hearing me play. Oh, yeah. Um, I was really embarrassed because we, we didn't live in, like, a huge apartment. I was like, oh, my parents are going to hear me play. Oh God, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and so, violin felt like a chore. It felt like something I had to do. Mm-hmm. I don't regret doing it because it set the foundation again. It set the foundation <laughs> for all of my musical pursuits afterwards. Mm-hmm. At the same time, violin itself was not something that I loved <laughs> with a passion. It was something that I did that mm-hmm. led to things that I loved with a passion. 
violin brought me to beatboxing. Beatboxing brought me to rapping. Yeah. So that was the progression. Um, and I, I put down the violin at around 16 to 17 years old. And okay. I haven't really officially put it, you know, picked it back up since. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about becoming a music major when I was in UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. But my mom straight up said... Alex, just focus on psychology. Just get one degree. I don't think a music degree is going to be good for you. (laughs) And so I didn't do that, but I ended up becoming a professional musician anyway. Yeah. Um, So that's my story. Uh, I think violin was very important to me um, in my trajectory. I know that it wasn't something that I loved with all my heart, but Mm -hmm. it's still the closest musical instrument to me that I have, and it... um, I didn't realize how good I was at music... Um, until after I put down the violin. Yeah. Um, let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of, like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, you're here now. Like, yeah. you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with picking up, hip, picking up hip-hop, um, did you grow up in Oakland or, like, East Bay area your whole life? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> so with um, picking up hip-hop and it's getting more and more, um, it let's just say it's... <laughs> I don't want to call hip hop decriminalized, but it's now being less associated with uh, criminal, like being a criminal. Because like when people would hear hip hop, it's like, oh, that's gang music, right? Sure. Um, and it's just because it was associated with the black community, yeah. right? And the black community are the ones who developed it. It's same thing with jazz. Like jazz was for a while an unacceptable form of music. Yeah. Um, now with le- knowing the understanding of hip hop, um, now being an Asian artist. Uh-huh. Um, First of all, I'm going to say the good parts of it. I'm glad that you're harnessing this art in a way that it fits your personality the best. Thank you. Um, because I get scared when I hear a new hip-hop artist and they're not a, they're not African-American. And again, I'm not trying to say all African-Americans are good at hip-hop. Oh, I'm not sure. saying that at all. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is like I don't want someone to completely character characterize um, the form of hip-hop being like, oh, I'm a hip-hop artist. I have to act black, you know? Well, you don't want um, appropriation. Right, exactly. Yeah. But you, you channeled it in a way where it fits your personality, all your rhymes are with what your background is. So have you had any weird pushback experiences with someone saying, like, why are you using hip-hop? You're not black. You know, just as a blank statement like that. No, I don't have... I don't... I have Oh my never, God, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. Okay, good. <laughs> I've never had that experience because I make it a real priority for me to write songs that are authentic to me and my mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. I would never try to capitalize on or appropriate any part of the African-American experience because it's not my experience. Right. As you may have noticed, mm-hmm. I don't dress in hip-hop fashion. It no. doesn't make me feel comfortable doing that. I right. know that there are a lot of like non-black hip-hop people who like will may- maybe dress in hip-hop fashion wear chains and like you know uh hoodies and things like that and like Mm -hmm. you know while that's like uh fairly harmless as far as like appropriations go i don't you know i don't know how you feel about that but obviously it's like you know it's less severe to a degree than like using you know inappropriate words and things like that right um i still don't feel comfortable doing it because I, i i want my usage of this kind of art form to be my own. Right. Um, I want to draw inspiration from what the African-American community has built, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm not trying to represent them. Exactly. uh, Because I can't speak for what their experiences are because I was never part of that community. Right. And I make an effort to bring uh, my perspective through this gift that they have offered the world, this gift of rhyme, 
um, and deliver a perspective that most of the world, black, white, or Asian, or Latino, mm-hmm. has probably never heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a real priority for me to make sure that what I'm speaking is 100% true to myself and to my experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it comes through, which mm-hmm. is nice, yeah. because I don't want people to think that I'm appropriating. And of course... I'm an Asian doing hip-hop, eventually I'm going to get that. You yeah. know, eventually someone's going to say, why are you rapping? Mm-hmm. Um, rapping is, is for black people. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, which, uh, you know, I people are going to say that, and I'm not going to have any anything to respond to them with, because it, you know... Um, it's I'm like, doing, it's kind of like picking your own battles, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm, like, picking, I'm picking that battle. I'm picking the battle to not engage someone who is trying to uh, accuse me of cultural appropriation because I already put in a lot of work to make sure that I'm as respectful as possible of the roots of the art that I have drawn from. Yeah. No, and that's what I completely appreciate. Like, it's the same thing with jazz music. There was a post a while back ago by a a Bay... uh, He's from New York, but he was a Bay Area drummer. And he was just flipping out and he he's white passing mm-hmm. uh he's not black but he is white passing i don't mm-hmm. know where he's from uh, but he was like i don't understand why people get so mad at me about playing jazz music because people say that jazz music's for only black people well not all black people can play jazz mm. like i'm the best at this i work the hardest at okay. jazz drumming mm-hmm. and um and i'm just reading this post like cringing my hair i'm like that's not what it's about yeah how i view jazz music again pioneered from african-americans from New Orleans, spread out to like Kansas City, New York, Harlem, you know, went to West Coast, you know, but those who participate in the activity need to understand what the origin is, yeah. right? But I do believe there is room for inclusivity, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think that's what helps our world, if anything, with like any conflict or any like differences of interest yeah. that... I'm I'm taking an art that was originally culturally not mine, but yeah. making it my own. But at the same time, I'm not going to try to copy anybody yeah. or try to disrespect the community. Right. Right? Yeah. So, um, and so I'm just making sure that when I, when I was trying to bring this up with you, sure. that like, again, never heard any type of like, you were trying to pretend like you were through like the ultimate like black struggle. Not yeah. at all. You're yeah. talking about nerdy shit and yeah. your own personal life. Yeah. And it fits your personality. Like, I'm sorry, I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> I get a lot of comments about, um, I take Lyft a lot and mm-hmm. a lot of times Lyft asks me, oh, Lyft boy. driver asks me what I do for a living and I told them I'm a rapper. Um, I get a lot of questions that are almost exactly worded the same. Mm-hmm. What do you rap about? And that's always a strange question to me because I don't, I didn't realize that there was one specific thing that I had to rap about. Mm -hmm. I don't even think (laughs) African-Americans specifically rap about one thing. They do not. Of course they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, because rap is all about telling your own story Mm -hmm. and I tell my own story. And now my response to that jazz drummer is really, I don't think you're saying, I don't think you're right if you're trying to say that, um, uh, you know, I'm white and therefore, you know, I... I, you know, I, I'm white and I'm good at this, and therefore people should respect me. Yeah, and um, that's what he was aiming for. Yeah, and I don't think that's right. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's totally fine for non-black people to get involved in jazz and to get involved in yeah. hip hop, as long as they acknowledge what they're doing. As long mm-hmm. as they acknowledge that this is an art form that was originally originated within the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you're using it in a way that is conscious, you yeah. know, um, and not uh, damaging, potentially damaging, or, you know, putting those people down. Mm-hmm. Now, if some people start putting those people down and, like, mm-hmm. disrespecting their origins, I don't think that's cool. Yeah. Um, but if someone is using it to talk, to, you know, d- distribute a message that is unique to them and that they feel is important, mm-hmm. um, that actually helps the world, world as a whole, mm-hmm. um, I don't see any problem with that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's that's my that's my perspective on it. Okay. Um, I know that some people will claim that I'm appropriating. I don't think that I'm appropriating. No, not I, at all. I I don't put on an accent. That's really important to me. <laughs> like I don't I don't I do not put on an accent. That's super important. I rap in my own like slightly Asian American accent. <laughs> and I, I have like a nasal not- voice. I don't have like a hard ass gangster rap voice. <laughs> and I, I dress in my dorky ass, like nerdy Asian clothes, and I rap. That's what I do. <laughs> oh man, I love that answer. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. I'm really glad we got to have this conversation because, again, not a comfortable <laughs> conversation to have with people who are like not necessarily in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So let's go ahead and I know it's kind of like a hard right turn, but nerd. There's probably some appreciation uh sorry i can't talk appreciation for anime sure yeah and what i do with all my guests is i talk a little bit more about anime we kind of have a segment about that i love anime yeah i'm gonna sample that i love anime (laughs) if you're gonna sample it again i'm gonna say it again one two three i love anime like what series do you like yeah and then we kind of go into what is your favorite trope or stereotype in anime okay so with trope just to kind of clarify because sometimes every time i say trope someone's like what the hell are you talking about is for example when there is a girl i use this with ran it was like there's a like the support protagonist who seems not useful at first. She yeah. just seems like, oh, I'm cute, and I really adore the main character, but is actually really useful. Ah. Um, the, another trope is um, the the, perver- the the perverted old man. Yeah. Um, another trope is, like, the angry, um, but, like, unrequited love interest. So there's, like, those characters, for example. For or, sure. So uh, let's first, I guess, I'm talking and rambling. Let's talk about the um, your first your top three that you like My or what you're into right now. Top three, what I'm into right now or what I've been into the whole time. Let's mix it up. Mix it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna do what I've been into the whole time. Uh, I got introduced to anime in 2013. Oh, um, I never watched any anime before that, but my what? gateway anime was uh, Attack on Titan. Yes! <laughs> and I watched it, and I was like, oh shit, this is really good. And then I asked my friend Daniel Lee, shout out to Daniel, he's my best friend from first grade. <laughs> we've been friends for th- this whole time, and he lives in the Bay now, which is great. Um, and we've been recommending some anime back and forth. Uh, we're both, like, huge anime nerds. Um, Daniel was like, hey, go watch this uh, series. It's a sci-fi dystopian series called Psychopaths. Okay. And it's from 2012, and it is basically all about a uh, futuristic Japan set in 20, uh, 2000, 2112. Mm-hmm. 
2100. There is actually... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard about this, but yeah, I've never yeah. like seen it yet. Yeah, so, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a futuristic story set in 2112 uh, about a police force that basically operates under a government which tracks people's emotional health. Oh. And there are cameras everywhere in the city that can scan people's emotional states. And there is an emotional meter called the psychopaths, mm-hmm. which basically measures how healthy you are. Okay. The, you know, the clearer your color is, the more healthy you are. But the more muddy your color, uh, the more likely you're, co- so, to, so to speak, the more likely you're, you are to commit crimes <laughs> and to cause havoc to the society. And so if a scanner notices that your psychopath is too uh, cloudy then they have the ability to stun you, to take you into custody, to put you into uh, rehabilitation, uh, pretty much against your will. Oh my and so God. that's the concept of the story. It's kind of like Minority Report, and I think there was like a Black Mirror episode that you know uh, used this concept as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a measuring um, uh, metric called the crime coefficient. Mm-hmm. Which basically measures how likely you're able you, you are to commit a crime, but nobody knows what this is oh, based shit. on. Yeah, nobody knows what the metric is based on. You can just scan it with like uh, it's called the Dominator. You can scan it with your gun, and you can mm-hmm. scan a person, and you can scan their crime coefficient. And if it goes over a certain level, the the gun turns into like a stun gun, and you can like stun them, or you can like automatically execute someone on the spot. So, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's intense. Yeah. So it's a really intense and inc- incredibly dark show. Incredibly okay. dark. If you're looking for something lighthearted to watch, do not watch that. <laughs> do not watch it at all. But it yeah. is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is a great character study. Um, the villain is one of my favorite villains of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to like spoil anything right here, right. but um, <laughs> the main character is a strong woman uh, who starts off being this like kind of fresh-faced, naive, new police recruit. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the series, she's just a fucking badass, kicking ass <laughs> and taking names and just squaring <laughs> off with a villain, and she's amazing. So, you know, the music is great in that one. It's very uh, sleek and modern, the, the design of the characters, the animation. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. It's like an action-plus thriller. And okay. um, people have been calling it the new Ghost in the Shell, basically. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Like, yeah. it sounds like Ghost in the Shell a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Uh, like, dystopian mm-hmm. and, like, very dark and grungy. Yeah. Um, but, no, this sounds intense. Yeah, highly I, recommend. Yeah, no, I will definitely check that out. Usually when I get anime recommendations, I get, I'm very skeptical. It takes me a second. I'm kind of like the, okay, let me open the curtain. But, no, <laughs> I, I'm very convinced on this one. <laughs> nice, for sure. Um, any um, other ones that you want to... Yeah, sure. So I'm going to do my top three. Um, obviously, there, there are a couple... I'll, I'll name off a couple of ones that I really <laughs> like. I like Death Note. Obviously, okay. it's a classic. I like Code Geass. Code Geass is great. Code Geass um, is really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's super, super, like, fast-paced. Um, really, really well-written, and I like all of it. There is... Um, what else? Steins Gate, Death Parade, Madoka Magica, which is great. Um... There's one that I watched recently that's not super recent. It's from 2016. It's called Assassination Classroom. Yes! Oh my god, I love that one so much! Ah! <laughs> I watched like a few episodes. I'm like, I love this so much. It's so okay. In the in the like the role play community, mm-hmm. uh, which I almost ventured into, there's a thing called god modding yeah and that is that show yes <laughs> where you're just invincible no matter what the fuck you do yes. <laughs> <laughs> what i love about that show is 
not only because Koro Sensei is great mm-hmm. and invincible, but Koro Sensei is a genuinely great teacher. Yeah. Like it's such an inspiring like education anime. To yeah. the point where I like I feel like every middle schooler should watch that show. <laughs> yes. Because it's so <laughs> fucking inspiring. It like reminds you of like teachers who inspired you to like do what you wanted to do. The yeah. second season was so good. And holy shit, I have never <laughs> cried so much at an ending okay. for any other anime. I haven't gotten never. there yet, but never. <laughs> never, never, never. Never. So oh, man. Good. No, it's it's really so good. good. I've been very impressed with that one. That one's my favorite. I think a lot of the humor is really good. Like, yeah. I think what really grabbed my attention was one time a student, he was tutoring her, and she comes up with, a, like, a knife, yeah. and, like, she just has a smile on her face, and yeah. they're just, like, both, like, going, <laughs> like, back and forth with the knife, but they're not even, like, phased with yeah. each other. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to watch more of this. This is so good. <laughs> it is a fantastic show. It's not only well-written, it's also, like, extremely heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the action scenes are great, and the characters, like, there are, like, 30 fucking students in that school, yeah. and they still managed to characterize every every single one of them and I was very impressed um you gotta finish it you gotta finish it you gotta finish that shit it's so good I will (laughs) yeah alright last one um (laughs) this is the one that I watched most recently it's called Mob Psycho 100 I heard that was really good I haven't started it yet so you know about One Punch Man which is another one of my favorite shows uh One Punch Man was written by a mangaka named One Mm -hmm. and One created this other series called Mob Psycho 100 Mm -hmm. um and that was adapted into an anime what I love about Mob Psycho is that the um, the animation's very like psychedelic. It's not as polished as One Punch Man, which was supposed to be polished, like super mm-hmm. high budget. But um, <laughs> Mob is kind of a little bit like on a lower budget, but it's mm-hmm. still like the action's still amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about this little like middle school kid who has psychic powers, mm-hmm. um, and he is kind of this awkward kid, this little <laughs> nerd who's not good at anything except. <laughs> Psychic powers. Okay. He has the strongest psychic powers in the world. And he can fucking destroy anything, but he has zero self-confidence. And all he <laughs> wants to do is just to attract the girl of his dreams. Oh, boy. And so he ends up joining this, like, bodybuilding club, like, you know, to try to, like, you know, attract this girl. But he's he's super anemic, and he's, like, a wimp, but he's got these insane psychic powers. And it's all about, like, him and his master, mm-hmm. um, his, like, tutor, who is this... Uh, fake psychic. He mm-hmm. basically pretends that he has psychic powers for money, um, and his tutor uh, tricked Mob into believing that he is the greatest psychic in the world. And so he pretends to be the greatest psychic in the world mm-hmm. while kind of raising this little kid Mob to be like a normal human being. Uh, um, and okay. it's like this wonderful coming of age story that is just like it has great action, great writing. Uh, at the same time, it's also pretty funny like it's very it's very humorous um the if humor are, is different from one punch man oh no 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 it's it's no no worries i'm, I'm just talking my ass off about this because it's so good um i was i was very much into this show and i might actually write an ep about it so please do yeah I will. please do that would be really fun yeah yeah watching one punch man i haven't finished all of it because it kind of reminds me of um, Bobobo a little bit mm. where it's just like it's ongoing nonsense mm-hmm. and I haven't really captured what the real storyline all I know is like a guy can just beat his enemies in one punch and they're yeah. just really par- like putting in parody of like all the different like anime scenarios yeah. and I remember watching the first episode with the kid with the butt chin oh my god <laughs> and like the crab with the underwear yeah. and I'm just like okay this is basically one punch man is like 
the shit post of anime. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's trying to parody the standard action tropes. Like, yeah. you know, the, the bad, big bad villains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Saitama, the, the main character, yeah. is a subversion of all the classic anime tropes of, like, being a hero because he has unlimited power. Yeah. Like, the, his whole thing is that no matter what he does, he can just defeat any enemies in one punch. And you might think that that actually removes all the conflict in the entire show because he's never going to struggle. But, yeah. Like, they actually managed to make a great story out of a complete lack of conflict. And it, <laughs> <laughs> and it explores all the characters around him trying really hard to be heroes. He's part yeah. of this thing called the Hero Association. Mm-hmm. And the Hero Association is filled with people who have, like, really good intentions but may not have, like, the best powers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Saitama, he doesn't give a shit about any of that. Like, <laughs> no, he, he has huge, huge powers. He has amazing powers. Unlimited. But he's doing it for fun. Like, he, like he's just like, I don't, I don't care about heroes. You know, like he literally has no like heroic drive. He's just like, I'm bored. I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch this guy. That's it. <laughs> and later on, there's this character in the show, and you'll yeah. see him eventually. His name is Moomin Rider, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like the cyclist. Um, mm-hmm. He's a bicyclist who has zero powers. Um, oh, he no. he has zero powers, but he has the heart of gold. Like he's like, oh my god. I want to defeat all these villains. I have this like concept of justice. Like it doesn't matter if I'm weak. You know, I'm gonna face you off here right now, and you know, I'm gonna defeat you. And he's got this like gusto, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got this like energy, and he really believes in like fighting for what's right. But he has zero powers, <laughs> and so he's the complete foil of Saitama in every way possible. Where he's like the emotional hero, but he has no powers, and Saitama has like no emotional drive to be a hero at all. But he has amazing powers. So what I'm trying to say is that One Punch Man is a great character study of all these different yeah. kinds of like tropes and people, mm-hmm. um, and it really explores what it means when you're all powerful mm-hmm. um, and you lack any conflict in your life. Yeah, and it's really really interesting. So don't let the first couple of ridiculous episodes fool you. It actually has a very interesting philosophical concept behind it. Okay, no, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just so spread thin between a bunch of series. Like, I promised myself I need to finish Bleach. Okay. Um, So I'm still working on that, and I'm doing, like, a lot of, like, remedial episodes, so I'm starting in season two right now. Uh And then I'm still working on JoJo's Bizarro, Bizarro World. I want to watch that one. Yeah. I've been told to watch that one. Yeah, that one's so far really good. And then I'm really... I... You know, My Hero Academia I'm working through right now, Uh Um, and that one's actually catching the most of my attention because they have really good ways of putting cliffhangers and stressing you out. Like, I don't even think I'm in the middle of season one, but there was, like, a conflict where a bunch of villains just came out of a warp, and uh, Deku was... Like, like with this like other little man that has like the little sticky, sticky things from his head, and then there's Sue, the frog girl, and um, they just finished that conflict where there's like this really terrifying villain who has like a hand over his face. Yeah. And when I saw him, like, oh my gosh, that is a nightmare. Like how they perfectly engulf, like how that they use the hands to make it look stressful. Yeah. Like you. I was like stressed watching all the episodes of surrounding that. So like they did a really good job about keeping me involved yeah so right now i'm in there right now yeah um but let's... i want to check out my hero academia i hear it's good <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want to like say too much of like who's what but it's really funny um it's funny but like good like yeah. everyone's like it's the naruto but for superheroes i'm like mm, naruto i did a little phase out because like i was just done with all the fillers i actually 
heard that it was like the X-Men of anime. <laughs> I've heard that Naruto compares it too, but I, I actually heard that it was the X-Men of anime. It is. Okay. It is. Okay. You know, actually watching now, it, it kind of is. Like, yeah. I actually mentioned that to a friend. I said, that doesn't sound like Naruto. That sounds like X-Men. Yeah. I'm like, nah. I'm like, no, superpowers, like, just, like, a variety. I feel like it is, and someone just did it. I'm like, okay, whatever you want to think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Trope. Let's trope. talk about your trope. Um, I like morally amb- ambiguous villains. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the... So who's like a mainstream villain that kind of encompasses that? Light Yagami. From? Death Note. Okay. Um, he is technically the protagonist, but he's also evil. Okay. Um, he, <laughs> obviously from Death Note, he, you know, wants to rid the whole world of evil by using his Death Note. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up becoming a force of evil himself because he's like, I'm projecting my idea of, you know, what's good and what's bad onto the world. I can become a god. He's like this egomaniac. Like, he, um, he's so excited about having all this unlimited power to kill anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. Um... But at the same time, he's also, like, killing criminals and people he deems to be, like, you know, bad people. And he started mm-hmm. off, like, with good intentions at first. He was like, oh, all these people are, like, you know, criminals and bad people. I'm going to mm-hmm. kill them. But then he, like, goes off the rails and he's just like, okay, um, I'm going to kill anyone who <laughs> is, like, trying to discover my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is kind of... Um, what a lot of people say is that when you're a kid, you side with L. And when you're adult, you side with Light or Kira. Mm-hmm. Um and honestly, when I watched the thing, I was like, I really don't know how I feel about Kira. Um, <laughs> because uh, at the same time, I acknowledge how crazy he is. But at the same time, he is also coming from a good place. So it's, it's just kind of um, that sort of morally ambiguous villain slash protagonist. He's mm-hmm. definitely the villain, but he's also the protagonist. It's very interesting in that mm-hmm. way. Um, Makashima from Psychopaths uh, is the villain, and he's also very morally ambiguous. Like, he opposes okay. the system mm-hmm. um, of, you know, emotional monitoring that mm-hmm. uh, Psychopaths lives in. Like, the, the world of Psychopaths lives in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's also, you know, uh, dealing with it in a way that uh, is, you know, destructive and cruel and violent in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so, he is a force of nature. He kind of um, orchestrates a lot of murders, um, but he he's doing it all in a way to show the system that he 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 opposes it. So oh yeah, awesome! I like that one. Yeah. So far, I've I've gotten different answers. Mm-hmm. So this is this is one that's really really good. I like that. Um, yeah. From from a mainstream view, just in case if there's a listener who. Um, not to call you out, listener, but who's still kind of venturing into the uh, anime world. Um, sounds kind of like from like a Vegeta like versus Goku standpoint. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Vegeta yeah. first entered the series as a villain. Like yeah. he came to Earth. He's like, fuck everyone. <laughs> I'm going to try to destroy everything. Yeah. Um, but then he starts to kind of go into the more like, I'm more of a good guy. I want to protect everybody. Right. But then like there's times where he's been tested on that aspect. For right. example, like during the Majin series where he was like, fuck it. I was designed to be evil. I'm designed to conquer everything. He was right. the colonizer. Uh-huh. Like he wants to be that person because yeah. he feels like entitled to everything. Right. But then like he realizes upon like creating a family, like there's more meaning to being an evil person than just trying to take over everything and being an asshole. Like, he feels like that he has to set an example. Um, I think 
the core of being a morally ambiguous villain is that you have to have fans who side with you or not side with you. Yeah. Right? And people are siding with Vegeta as of lately. Right. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, especially during the Super Series. I mm-hmm. think the Super Series really brought to light about fans are like who kind of turned more against Goku. I think there was a more turn against Goku in that series, which led more fans to go aim towards Vegeta. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Vegeta side of things were, like, really valid. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with Piccolo. But I yeah. think the Piccolo uh, siding was more obvious because Piccolo was just more responsible. Yeah. <laughs> In general. <laughs> he came For as sure. evil. He came as evil, and he's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to stay on the good side of everything. <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, so yeah. Dope, let's uh, just kind of go into a closing note. Let's just kind of do another rundown of your plugs. Sure. So that way people know how to reach you sure. and listen to your music. Sounds good. Um, so everything that I have is on my website, thelexiconartist.com. T-H-E, lexiconartist.com. Um, I also have a YouTube, a SoundCloud, a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify. Excuse me. Everything is <laughs> under Lex the Lexicon Artist, and that's Lex the Lexicon Artist. Um, on my Twitter and Instagram, it's Lex the Con Artist. L-E-X-T-H-E, Con Artist. Um, a couple of things. So those are all my links. Did you want me to talk about upcoming shows? Yes, and please like do. That? Please talk about an upcoming show. Okay, cool. I have a couple of upcoming shows. Uh, one of them is August 4th at the Chinatown Music Festival. I have a good relationship with the Chinese Culture Center in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And they booked me for their uh, festival on August 4th. It's going to be in Chinatown in San Francisco. Uh, more information on my website. I am performing a full band set at Mac West. Yes, I'll be there too. Very exciting. Yes. I am, I've been rehearsing with my band for that. And I'm very excited to play 24-hour arcades and also perform <laughs> in a band. It'll be very fun. And you should get your badge now if you haven't yet. Yeah. Um, By the way, badges do go up in price in August. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get it now, it's going to go up to $80 instead of 70 Yeah. And $80 is much more expensive than 70 So you want to get it <laughs> <laughs> They're not sponsoring me, but I'm just letting you guys know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's going to be a really good time. The last time I went, uh, I literally played... 24-hour arcades, walked around the hotel, drank a lot, and also watched a lot of music performances. So it'll be a really good time. Come out and see me perform and come out and play some games. So that's Mac West. I have a show in Austin on the 25th of August. So that's my that's the other show in August. So I don't have any shows booked for the rest of July, mm-hmm. but I do have shows booked for August. So August 4th, August 10th, and August 25th. And just to let you know, listeners, um, as for artists, sometimes things come up last minute. So it's really good. It's a good, if not great idea to always follow uh, local artists to support your local artists around the area. But also you never know when a spontaneous thing will come up. So uh, it's a good idea to follow her. She's always getting into a lot of stuff. Sometimes things just come up. Sometimes people are like, hey, do you want to do raps for like 30 minutes for like this amount of money? I'm like, yeah, sure. So sometimes that comes up and if you want to talk to me and hang out with me or like get a CD, like... Or not CD, USB. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to get an, a, the, the Raging Ego record from me, you can. Um, so that's that. Also, uh, let me just announce the MC Chris tour right here. So I'm going Please on do. tour with MC Chris and Dual Core in uh, in the fall. It starts on um, it starts on September 22nd in Denver and ends on October the 10th in Oakland. 
So the last show is going to be actually in my hometown, which is really cool. So you should all come out to that one if you are close to Oakland. We also have a San Francisco date. It's on the 9th, the day before. Um, so yeah, MC Chris and Dual Core. They're going to be great. Dual Core is great. MC Chris is great. Um, and I'm going to be opening that whole shebang. So come out, buy some merch. Watch me yell rapid aggressive <laughs> poetry in your faces. It'll and, be great. And I'll probably be there too. Um, so, okay, perfect. Well, this is Don't Cast and Drive featuring your speaker, person, your host, Veronica Tyler Christie, sometimes V. And also with me, as a reminder, this is Lex, the Lexicon artist. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Oh, last thing. Sorry, plot twist. I am doing a fan fiction reading. I am doing a submission of fan fiction. So if you're listening to this and you're a person who loves to be that person to write really cringy fan fiction to the point that your friends are shaking their heads and going, dude, what the fuck was that? This is your time to do it. I will be hosting a reading in August and the submissions are open. So please go to my page, um, whether if it's on Twitter, if it's on Instagram or Facebook, find me at begins like this. And that's where you will find the submission page. Um, and of course, if you're having trouble, please email me at vtchristie, V-T-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E dot nine one at gmail.com. And I will hand you the link for that. Um, but that's your probably your only opportunity to submit and make public to your cringy thoughts. And we can just go from there. But then again, um, thank you for joining us and have a good week. Boom. Bye. Train your line of vision on me like I have horse, and you shall find them at metaphorical dongs of books, of course. Do you believe that you're not afforded your due respect, or treated with the height of decorum that you expect? Maybe you're doing your best, but feel neglected, and a sea of perfection is easy to feel defective. Well, I got an answer that will help you with your deep shame. Confront your enemies by telling them to beat game. See, they've been sleeping on your flames, you've been defamed, but I swear the recognition's there for you to reclaim. And as a kid, people said I was strange, but now that I'm older, I'm proud. I'm an artist with brains and there was two other people's minds that are hardest to